You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Good to have you here. Today's episode, we're going to talk all about the ad. While this is the most ad-focused episode brought to you by Debutify, keep in mind that it's a subject brought up in other episodes as well, so there's going to be some Venn diagramming going on here. Personally, I've always liked advertising. I've always felt the best creativity comes from working within a set of limitations. It pushes the brain to filter many ideas and hone in on the ones that deliver results. Even when I was younger, some of my family would be the type to switch channels once the commercials came on preferring to watch a supplemental TV program. Oftentimes, this would result in missing some of the actual content from what we were originally watching. Now that I have... Let me see, one... Computer, tablet, laptop, phone... Six different devices for myself. That, that stopped being a problem. One of my favorite commercials... I can't remember what it was for, which is telling... I can recall the commercial, but I can't recall the product. Anyways, the premise is uh, a young man's at the docks and he's giving a heartfelt speech as he christens his new boat. As he's about to smash a champagne bottle, as is tradition, it cuts to him smashing a milk bottle in a grocery store. The young man snaps out of his fantasy and makes eye contact with the clerk, mop and bucket in hand. I think, I think it was a lottery commercial. I'm going to have to go with that. I did try to find it online. It was, I, I couldn't do it. So what goes into an ad? Well, that changes from style to style, of course, but here's what's consistent. You need a brand. An ad has a tie into a larger picture, that is your company. Of all the ones that stick out in people's minds, I'd say no ad is as prevalent as the Buy the World a Coke song. That ad accomplishes about a dozen goals, to sell a Coke, to associate it with unity, positivity, and love, and to raise awareness of the brand itself. Coca-Cola gets off easy, since their key product is also the name of their company. If there's a visual component, you will either need an image or a sequence of images, or a video, again, depending on the format. Your choice of color, framing, setting, and style all tie into your brand. So does the copy, the written element, either read when there's text or spoken when there's audio. Speaking of which, if you're doing audio only, images are a no-go, but imagery How you want the audience to visualize your ad is important. If it takes place in the rain, you get the sound effect of rain, and you get your performer to raise the volume of their voice, assuming they're in the rain. Which is a fair assumption, because what else would you do? Have it raining outside? Who cares? These days, advertisers have more power than ever. And if you're a regular YouTube watcher like me, you know that those 30-second limitations from the era of television have somewhat diminished. Ads can now run for, oh, I don't know, three hours on YouTube? There is a lot of ground to cover. We're going to do some background on the medium to take us to today, and then we're going to look at what the landscape for advertising is right now. From an article on instapage.com, the first ad dates to 2000 BC. They were steel carvings by the Egyptians. 
what they were trying to advertise, I'm not really sure. So I'm going to go with my default guess, which is Coca-Cola. The first print ad was published in 1472 by one William Caxton. He would go around the churches in England and stick parchment on the doors, letting people know about his book. The first newspaper ad was published in 1704 in the U.S. 1835 is the first billboard ad for a circus act featuring eight tigers and a panther. Sears were the first to personalize advertisements. They mailed 8,000 postcards to customers in 1892. Then we head to the golden age of advertising. In the 1900s, advertisers, always able to make use of the most recent technology, were broadcasting via radio and television, followed by the next breakthrough in 1935 by George Gallup, a name you might be familiar with if you've ever heard of Gallup polls. He started learning more about consumers and what we know as market research. By the 1960s, ads were becoming more than just a product and a tagline. Companies began creating characters like Tony the Tiger, characters that still persist to this day. Audiences enjoy seeing a character keep up with the times, keeps them connected. Once we enter the digital age, where people are starting to head online, there's a pretty sizable shift not just in delivery, but in mentality. Here, we go from more than just trying to sell the product. We look at it as problem-solving, what are customers struggling with, and how does the product solve the problem? Also, according to adpushup.com, before the internet went public, it was functioning on the ARPANET directory, which stands for Advanced Research Projects Agency Network. It connected several universities, UCLA, Santa Barbara, University of Utah, and Stanford. The dreaded first spam message was sent to 393 users in 1978, and reportedly crashed several computers because of all the contacts in the file. Advertisers seemingly decided to keep on trying anyways. From there, we have Global Network Navigator. In 1993, they were the first commercial website to sell a banner ad, as in something you can click on. The picture. that was shed like a rectangle. GNN's role as a site was news and to act as a product catalog. The feature proved to be well in demand, as by 1995, companies like MasterCard were spending upwards of $10,000 a week to advertise. In June of that year, GNN was acquired by AOL for $11 million. We also can find a major step forward in 1994. The first commercial web magazine, Hotwire.com, which, now that I type it in, it takes me to Wire.com. Okay. They were able to implement banner ads in order to pay their writers. One of the first companies to buy ad space was AT&T. I also want to give special mention to the now defunct Prodigy.com, an online hub that was a paid service that offered news, weather, emails, and also commerce. People were able to buy groceries with it. That one caught me off guard. Unfortunately, Prodigy's story is ripe with trial and error. Users were enthusiastic about the service, but that meant overburdening the server. Prodigy would be forced to increase their prices or shut down services or... They even had to censor speech, just to name a few issues. They went down in 1999 once we had the Y2K scare. Next on the timeline is DoubleClick in 1996. This was an agency that gave advertisers a way to coordinate and control where they were selling to. Uh, This is thanks in large part to their DART, DART technology, Dynamic Advertising, Reporting, and Targeting. It's also some of the earliest examples of being able to fine-tune advertising so that it could be more relevant to specific customers. While they were able to survive the dot-com burst of the 2000s, they aren't around any longer. I typed it in as I was uh, researching this, just to test, and it took me to Google. 
Google AdWords, of course, changed everything. It's simply Google Ads now, but that was changed in 2018. Google AdWords arose just as the dot-com bubble was bursting in 2000. And in a time where employment was predominantly corporate culture, it was truly a breath of fresh air for people. It gave people a chance to explore success in a different way. The next major breakthrough, again, according to instapage.com, were smartphones, the most personal devices yet, with their unique blend of internet access and personal data plans. The first one is credited to a Finnish news service who sent headlines via SMS, followed by the iPhone in 2007, which needed another year for the App Store in 2008 for advertisers to sell in a more specific function compared to, say, uh, a web browser that could be accessed from anywhere. Now that the stage is set, let's go through all the ways one can advertise. We are going all out with this one. First, you got TV commercials, 15 or 30 second spots between commercial breaks on television programs. TV shows, interestingly, are written to keep this in mind. Something needs to happen before the show goes to a commercial so that the viewer is compelled to stay. The ad itself is among the most expensive to make. As per my story from earlier, a great one can stick. The audience is already watching and can associate your ad with their experience. This, not always a good thing. For instance, I watched The Walking Dead for many seasons until I decided to wait for them to release on Netflix. And on one particularly gruesome episode, and I mean like, like more gruesome than usual, it cuts to a commercial for KFC. This was, in my opinion, a poor association and someone was probably fired. All right, then you got billboards. Big honkin' print media typically used to advertise to people on the road. Whether it can be somewhat of an issue here. But what's more limiting is that because drivers are targeted, there are limits to how long you can keep their attention, lest you be sued into oblivion. For that reason, billboards are a visual medium first, with copy used minimally. Next up, we have transit ads. As a commuter, advertising is an essential part of keeping a transit system well-funded. You can see them on buses from the outside, along the walls as one travels through a station and waits for the ride, and within the compartments themselves. Depending on how effective the service is, these ads have a long time to spend with the commuter. Display ads in stations don't get quite as much unique value, since a large portion of riders take the same route over and over, but repeat exposure is still helpful. You want to hammer a message home. You have print ads. Magazines expect readers to flip from page to page. Depending on the magazine, ads will either show up every other page, every few pages, and this one fashion magazine you know, I just checked out just for the sake of it, I could swear had no content in it whatsoever. To say nothing of the writing itself, which, depending on the magazine's level of integrity, may just be more advertising. All right, we've got product placement. Companies will fund movies and TV shows by having their products appear in the content. For further information, feel free to watch a Transformers movie, a franchise itself based on selling toys. Alright, we've got banner ads. As we've said before, these have been around almost as long as the internet went public. And are a bit difficult to find now on big websites. Mainly because any website up to its brim with content will have content that continues to load as the user scrolls. You can't... It's a little harder to put ads on the bottom of the page when it takes an eternity to get to the bottom. In the research I did for this episode, the only one I found on Britannica.com was a banner ad for Britannica.com. Now, they're still around. 
I'm just making the point that they don't seem to come up organically. I found a great resource at smashingmagazine.com. Banner ads are best serviced through ad networks like GCN, Yahoo Advertising, Adify, Project Wonderful, to name a few. So there's video ads, similar to commercials, but lacking the constraints of 15 or 30 seconds. These videos can be as short as a few seconds, which is smart, considering you can skip after five seconds on YouTube. Some are full-blown feature-length movies. There have been instances where I couldn't skip and had to take my chances on refreshing the page. Next up are sponsorships. Because many internet users apply adblock, oftentimes ads are simply ignored. And not like there's a fly buzzing around, but you don't want to deal with it at the moment. I mean, you don't see it at all, period. A 2015 report from blockthrough.com and adblock revenue solution software, adblock cost $22 billion. A lot to take in. One way to address this and also skip up a video ads is to simply get the host to do the commercial for you. The audience is still prone to skip these, as, as I have done, but it's a lot less convenient, and so they tend to have a higher retention rate. And also because I am invested in the well-being of the show, there's also a higher chance I'll support the business that's supporting them. Influencers. All right, next up are influencers. The concept of a popular celebrity using their clout to back a product, aka an endorsement, has been around for as long as there have been celebrities, though they're not referred to as endorsements in this context. Influencers, like hosts of shows, have a loyal following on social media and promote a certain lifestyle that brands can capitalize on. According to Hootsuite blog, one of the most prominent influencers has 16 million followers. I would also say bloggers are a form of influencer as well, if that's what they do with their writing. Next up are pop-up ads. They work, I'll give them that, but I'm not going to elaborate on them. Moving on. Now we have genericization. Or genericization. I'm a little stumped on the pronunciation of that. This is, according to businessinsider.com, something to maybe watch out for. Essentially, a product becomes so synonymous with its own usage, it becomes the generic term and loses copyright protection. Some terms include dumpster, kerosene, TV dinners, popsicle, Google, bubble wrap, and taser. My favorite one from that list is taser. Probably teaches you a lot about me. Last on this list, but I suspect I missed a few, we have user-generated content, whether it's a review, a video made organically by a fan, or word of mouth, some of your best and most cost-efficient advertising comes from having satisfied customers willing to spread the word and share your idea. This ties back to what we've talked about before. It's not just about selling a product, it's about a mission. All right, we of course have to take some time to delve into Facebook and Google, as those two are the biggest markets for advertising. These two big boys get talked about a lot, and I want to make sure content is unique in each episode, so I'm trying to keep that Venn diagramming I warned you about to a minimum. So for the big boys, I'm going to talk about what kind of ads you can use on these platforms. But I encourage you to check out other episodes for further information. I'm going to start with Facebook. You have six kinds that you can do on Facebook. The first is the photo. While not the only image-based one, it puts the most emphasis on the one image you do use. You have some space for copy above, but not a lot, so make it count. Next is video. You can implement an in-stream ad that plays in videos that users elect to watch. 
You can deploy them in the user's feed and they play automatically. If the user is interested, they will full screen it and can turn on the sound. Next are stories. You can also do a stories feed, which puts your content on par with other users. According to Facebook's own metrics, stories have been well received by the majority of users. 73% of American users like that you can see new things each day. 65% say they feel authentic. 57% say it helps people feel more included in a community. 62% intend to use them more in the future than even now. now. I'm talking about stories altogether, not just story ads. All in all, it's a welcome format. Speaking of format, it's also a perfect fit for phones, as the content matches the vertical display. Then there's Messenger. Along your list of contacts, an advertisement can also appear. What I personally like about it is that it harkens back to sales acumen. You can begin a conversation with an agent, and presumably they'll get back to you. As a customer, I can say this meant the difference between a sale and, well, not a sale. I needed to know something in specific before I could comfortably commit, and luckily, well, I really know that's lucky, but you know, somebody got back to me, and yeah, there you go. I was, uh, I was willing to buy from that. Next, we have Carousel. What we have here is a series of images, ideal for showing something that cannot be properly demonstrated in a single image. You can feature multiple images from your lineup or one key product that needs to be shown at different angles or in different settings. It also gives users some interactivity, since, like reading a comic, they move through the images at their pace. Earlier, I took my phone out because I wanted to spot a carousel ad in the wild, and, well, I can only scroll for so long. But one thing I did see as a slight downside is that you only get one copy set for the whole carousel. So if you intend to fit text per image, you may need to do that in the image. Next is a slideshow. It's a mix of images displayed as a video with some sound. This is a hybrid style, but it's known for being easy on load times. Lastly is collection. This is the most comprehensive one of the bunch, arguably. What sets it apart is that it transitions from ad to POS within the app. You get to see a high quality video at the top, followed by an image set at the bottom, which leads interested customers to the price point right away. Where the customer goes from there, I leave that to you, the seller. What I appreciate about a lot of these, such as the stories, is that they put the advertiser on the same playing field as the users. So if you're making content that rings hollow, it's more noticeable when sandwiched between videos of your friends and family. Unless they're also hollow, but that's on you. All right, and now we've got Google. For Google, I had a lot of help from RyanMilani.com. As of 2019, there are five ads you can run on Google. First is Search Network, integrated into search results. The SN text-based ads take on the same form as the organic search results, the ones that you type in yourself. But Google makes a point never to weave them into the organic results in a way that would be seen as misleading. Local businesses are encouraged to use this feature. So if someone is searching for flowers, as I did earlier as a test, local florists can have their businesses displayed first making me need to scroll past them to see what organic results would have come from searching flowers. I also want to point out that within my organic results were other local businesses. Uh, those came up because my IP address and previous data were collected by Google. There is also search network with display select, which will display your text ad on websites where there are images allowed. You trade in the refinement of using your own image for the expediency of getting a visual ad up alongside the text for 
expediency's sake. Next is Display Network. The Google Display Network has over a million websites where you can have your ads presented. You have the option to focus more on marketing objectives, their words, and from there, you can focus on building brand awareness, influence, and then provide a call to action. It's recommended that you use this ad to drive traffic to your website and also to use for remarketing. All right, there's video. We've mentioned this one already. All I can say that's new is it's up to you if you want the ad to be skippable after five seconds, or if you want the video to go for six seconds between two other videos as a buffer. And then we have shopping ads. This one is recommended for e-commerce stores. The ads themselves don't take much work. But to get it going, you need to connect your e-commerce store to Google Merchant Center. This could be tricky depending on your store. But if you have an e-commerce store, which is likely if you're also a listener of this podcast, you got to at least check this one out. And last, we have Universal App Campaign. This one's specific for that new app of yours. You can advertise your app in search, display, and video networks. Setup is minimal. Apparently, so is my description of it. Well, plenty of options for you out there, whether you want to go with old school media, new age tech, take your chances on going viral, whatever the case is, use your creative strengths to your advantage. Let's just take a moment and go over what are the challenges of advertising. The first is competition. You'll always have someone nipping at your heels, or you will be the one doing the heel nipping. If you're early to the game, you need to set a high standard that's hard for them to beat. And if you're the newcomer, you need to learn from your competitors and deliver on a brand that exceeds theirs. Whether that's through better customer service or you know, having customer service at all. Then there's attention spans. This is a hard one because I'm guilty of this too. I have to put my phone in a different part of the house when I go to sleep so that I don't lose the first hour of my day in bed chasing that sweet, sweet hit of dopamine. Patience is running thin and patience for ads is thinner still. It's basically water. Data is your best ally here as any goodwill one will have towards an ad should be best spent on a product that they need. And if you hook people onto the process, it makes it easier for those people, including myself, to be open to it again after having a positive experience. All right, next there's ad block. In addition to the solutions we talked about earlier, looking for more organic ways to market yourself, you can look for ways to gain recompense from ad blockers. I referred to adpushup.com earlier, and I suggest you see what they're about. And lastly, there's distrust. People are skeptical about many things. We live in a time of great anxiety. Not that I can back this up with data, but I suspect my generation and those that come after me will endure higher levels of anxiety because the world moves at a quantum pace. It's one thing to be alive in a time where you think you're going to live to 30 it's another to think you might live to 200 and be blasted off into space to colonize Mars. Many of my kind are transient. They seem to latch on to whatever is trendy in the moment and then move on to the next. This is supported somewhat in the here today, gone tomorrow nature of stories. So presenting something of true lasting value, a community, an idea, a personal tale of success, it gives people something secure to believe in. It's huge. Don't ignore this one. Principally, the concept of selling is fundamental to our society. This is the Debutify podcast after all. We're not trying to hide that. Dating is the act of selling yourself to another. Cartoons typically act as commercials for the tie-in toys. Movie companies want to sell you on a cinematic universe. It's not enough to go see the movie. You have to be convinced to go see all the other movies that take place in that world. But there's one example of this I think is interesting to point out. And that's Superman. 
a decades-long legacy that stands as both an ad and a reflection of the USA. Kalel, his actual name in case that one eluded you, is a refugee from a lost civilization. He's raised by traditional American parents in Smallville, and as an adult moves to Metropolis, where he takes on both the role of Clark Kent, a dopey shy man who doesn't get much spotlight, and also Superman, whose abilities I think you know about. It's worth noting, according to Britannica.com, that when Superman was competing with another comic book character by the name of Captain Marvel, who could fly, Superman was then granted that power as well. So there's an arms race element going on I found interesting. Superman is an advertisement for the USA, through and through. Artists use their somewhat flexible character traits to hold up a mirror to the culture of the nation, to encourage people in dark times and instill people with a sense of hope. In his more recent depictions, there is a grit and grime to the story that is a, a fair reflection of our own disenfranchisement, but even so, the core of his character has endured. Bottom line is, there's always going to be an ad, because there's always going to be something to sell. There's just not always going to be a transaction. All right, that is it today. Thank you for listening. Let us know if we missed an ad format. Uh, even as I'm saying this right now, I realize I guess business cards act as that, but that's something to give from one person to another. Uh, pamphlets, I just realized another one of those. So if there's any other ones that uh, you want to run past us, you can contact us, podcast at debutify.com. We're looking forward to hearing your feedback, and take care for now. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next. 